It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There's been a lot of back and forth on social media about whether BYU did or did not aid Utah in joining the Big 12 Conference. We're going to dig into that and answer the rest of your guys' questions on a Mailbag Friday of the podcast and also say happy trails to Mason Wake. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of introduction, real quick, this is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. Two weeks away from our five-year anniversary, over 1,400 episodes and counting, and a huge thank you to all of you who have been along for the ride over the years and all the support you guys have given this show. All right, it is Friday, and as we are wont to do on Fridays, we get into the mailbag and address a lot of questions. Had one question in particular that came in. I think I want that. I really think a lot of people are wondering about, and that's where we're going to start today's show. It was an email sent to me by Ethan. He says this: "Jake, thank you for doing the podcast. I appreciate all of your work on it. I wanted to ask you to clarify what you've been saying about BYU and if they did or did not help Utah get into the Big 12 Conference. I didn't. He's, this is him speaking. I didn't want Utah in the Big 12 as I feared they would overshadow BYU just starting." out in the Big 12, and I have seen a lot of conflicting things about it on social media. Can you please clarify? Thanks again for all that you do on the podcast. All right, Ethan. So, uh, I've talked about this. I've hinted at it. I think I've, I've mentioned it a time or two, but I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to use the term. I'm going to, I'm just going to unload everything I've got uh, with regards to BYU and Utah and the Big 12 conference. Now, did Utah have every intention in sticking around the Pac-12? Yes, they did. They were far and away, outside of Arizona State, maybe the most reticent of all of the programs in the Big 12, excuse me, the Pac-12, to leave that conference. And for good reason. The University of Utah has had a phenomenal run, particularly in football, in the last five or six years. They've uh, won back-to-back Pac-12 titles. They've played in four of the last five Pac-12 championship games in football. Their women's athletics programs actually had a phenomenal year this past year on on that side of things, a banner year and with regards to the quote-unquote Olympic sports. They had so many things going for them in the Pac-12 that they honestly had really not that, well, I wouldn't say wouldn't have any interest, but they didn't have that much interest in hearing overtures from the Big 12. Were there inquiries made? Were there people reaching out to them from the Big 12 when all those rumors going around about the uh, Big 12 being intent on stealing the quote-unquote four-corner schools? Yes, I'm sure there were, but the thing was, Utah wanted to stick around the Pac-12. Things changed last week. Obviously, we're we're a week removed uh, from what was just an absolutely wild, wild day, and that obviously ended uh, with uh, both uh, BYU, uh, well BYU having Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State join the conference. It was a week ago today. Think about it; it's been seven days since all that went down. The biggest thing I think that flipped everything on its head is there was a meeting scheduled Friday morning for all of the Pac-12's heavy hitters. We're talking presidents, chancellors, and the ads. They were going to sit down via video conference, sign the grant of rights, and move forward. Uh, with 
with who they had. Arizona had already been uh, talking about leaving the the, the Big Twelve, leaving for the Big Twelve, and the Pac twelve was going to kind of determine what they were going to do. When Washington and Oregon decided that they, hey, we're not showing up for that meeting, and everything became very clear that it was going to devolve into what it was. That's when the I, I hate using the term rats fleeing the ship uh, played out, but that's kind of what happened. Is that Utah, Arizona State, Arizona? It was every man from themselves in many circumstances. I'm sure Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, Cal, they were all starting to make phone calls saying, okay, what is next for us? What I understand and talking with people around BYU is the Cougars did uh, essentially uh, aid the Big 12 in terms of, uh, I'm not saying they they jumped on the table or pounded their fist on the table saying you got to take Utah. But at the same time, they did not go out and say, do not bring in Utah to this conference. BYU, I know a number of Cougar fans out there would have loved to have seen it be stuck to Utah. There's there's this... um, I don't know, there's this angst that lingers from all the years ago when BYU was going to go independent. Michael Young, who was the president of the University of Utah at the time, funny enough, a BYU graduate, caught wind of what was going on with BYU, planning to put all their teams in the whack. He passes word along to the Mountain West Conference and then Commissioner Craig Thompson. Craig Thompson then, in, in quick succession, scuttles that plan by adding three programs from the whack to the Mountain West, uh, really kind of sticking it to BYU, who's exiting his conference. And there's a lot of BYU BYU fans who feel like there should have been some come up and some payback, uh, eye for an eye type stuff when it came to this situation involving the Big 12. That's not how BYU operates, folks. I, I know it's it may it may kind of irk you in a way that BYU doesn't operate that way, but I can tell you this much: BYU did help with regards to the University of Utah getting into the into the Big 12. The one thing Utah fans that are notoriously mad online about is they love nothing more or they hated nothing more than hearing the term BYU. BYU and the Big 12 gave them a lifeline. What else do you want it to, to be? It was a lifeline. The, the, the situation was that things were melting down with the Pac-12. They could be stuck with Washington State. They could be stuck with Oregon State, Cal, Stanford. They could be part of, I guess, the Pac-5 uh, today if things hadn't worked out the way they did. BYU absolutely aided them in escaping what was a sinking ship with the Pac-12. Doesn't matter what people want to say. They can argue that I don't know what I'm talking about, who, who I'm talking to, etc., I have had enough conversations with folks around both of these programs that uh, Utah, they they had every intention of sticking around the Pac-12. They had a good thing going. They would have loved nothing more than to stick around. When things started going sideways, that's when they started looking around, and BYU helped come to their aid by helping them get into the Big 12 Conference. Now, to also answer your que- the additional part of that question, Ethan, is that I do like Utah in the Big 12 Conference. I'm a kid who grew up watching this rivalry game. My best friend in junior high is a dyed-in-the-wool University of Utah fan. Ben is still a dear friend to this day, and he and I would bicker back and forth, 7th, 8th, ninth grade, just throwing darts at each other uh, verbally about the Cougars and the Utes, just going back and forth. But he was my best friend in the entire world. I grew up enjoying the rivalry, and I guess it's uh, we got along and it wasn't uh, venomous. I know that with the proliferation of social media, the keyboard warrior status, it's gotten pretty bad online in terms of this rivalry going back and forth. But I like Utah in this conference. I like the additions that the Big 12 made, most notably because it no longer has BYU on a geographical island in this conference. They have... Uh, 
regional rivals. They've got Colorado to the east. They got Utah 40 minutes to the north. They got both Arizona schools. They haven't played together in 45 years in the same conference, but they're back together. It is going to give a lot of regional rivalries a chance to really flourish out here in the Intermountain West, and I, for one, really am looking forward to that. I look forward to having the rivalry game with Utah, the Holy War, where it should have been all this time. That's Thanksgiving weekend, the final regular season game of the, uh, of the year. I want to see that. I am all in favor of this. But for Utah fans to say that we got into the Big 12 on our own merit, that's disingenuous. BYU absolutely aided in that fact. The Big 12 was interested in Utah. They weren't saying that, screw Utah, we got the Utah market. They understand what Utah brings to the conference, but Utah can't stand out there and say that we we did this on our own. They did not do it on their own. BYU did aid them in helping them get to the Big 12. And like I said, you you may be one of the Cougar fans out there who would have liked to have seen uh, BYU essentially say, well, Michael Young stuck it to us 12 years ago. We're sticking it to you now. That's just not how BYU operates, folks. They're, they're very much uh, following the the Savior's admonition of turning the other cheek. And uh, for better or worse, that's kind of where things stand, as I understand it. So, Ethan, uh, appreciate the question, and hopefully it, it gives you an, an idea of everything I understand. Like I said, I don't uh, proclaim to know everything about this situation, but I trust the people I've talked to. And I trust i talked to people on the Utah side of things. i talked to uh, many people on the BYU side of things to get a, a real good feel for it. And that's where, essentially, I think shake, things shake out with regards to this. I'm looking forward to seeing what the conference looks like in 2024. I think it's going to be stronger than ever having these teams join the conference. Speaking of the Pac-12 schools that came over, the, all the all the four corner schools, uh, the, let me just add this one other tidbit. I love the fact that all of the 12 and on, and these guys are up in the night, the Tony Altors, there's nobody leaving the, the Pac-12 for the Big 12. All of it was complete you know what when it came to that whole thing going down. I love the fact that the people that uh, were I, the people that were saying that this is a chance it's going to go down and these big 12 uh, no, big 12 honks pac 12 honks out there were like there's no way they're they're too proud to stoop to the level of joining the big 12 conference. Well, when things started melting down, a lot of t- uh, tones change with a lot of people and I'm not talking just online. A lot of people in and around these these programs and these universities, right? You know what? Pac-12, uh, excuse me, the Big 12 is not so bad, and uh, it, it all worked out in the end. I, I think for the better, I think it's going to be a strong, strong conference moving forward. All right, uh, we're going to answer the rest of the questions that came in via the mailbag, uh, via social media, email, etc. Coming up next, got a lot to discuss on the BYU football front. And then coming up a little bit later on, BYU Women's Soccer had their first exhibition game. We'll talk about that. we got plenty to go right here on Locked on Cougars. Now, first, a word on our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit, my friends. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. That's where eBay Motors comes in. So next time you need parts and accessories for your vehicle, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to know that part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts, it's a lot of parts, my friends, to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices all on ebaymotors.com right now. That's ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay eBay guaranteed fit available only to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions may apply. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need 
to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Well, we guys have a fun weekend ahead of you planned. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Got some interesting uh, interviews that we're going to have uh, being played next week. Obviously, BYU will have their first scrimmage of training camp tomorrow at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. As I understand it, it is the annual Cougar Club scrimmage. So uh, if you're going out to it, you're a Cougar Club member, and you'd like to fill us in on what happens because the media doesn't get uh, access uh, the the Cougar Club scrimmage but the Joe Blow fan out there does. I'd love nothing more than to have you guys be our correspondents on site and reach out. We'd love nothing more uh, than to recap that for you guys on our Monday edition of the podcast. And if anything crazy happens over the weekend, hey, I'm not above recording a special edition on a Saturday or Sunday either. We'll have it all covered for you regardless right here on Locked on Cougars. All right, on to the other questions that came in this week. Uh, first one up uh, comes in uh, from Chris. He says, Jake, do you think the new EA Sports college football game will really be released in 2024 or will NIA lawsuits kill it once and for all and he also has this if it is released are you getting it uh to answer the second question first i am absolutely getting it i have owned every version of ea sports ncaa football since they started making it It was in the late 90s early 2000s i don't remember when they started it i even had bill walsh football way back when if you if you're that old old of a, a gamer like i am it's truthfully the only college, especially not the only college football game. It's the only video game I still play regularly. I still play NCAA 14 on my Xbox 360. I did buy a PS5 for myself for Christmas because there were rumors and there were reports that it was coming out this summer. It was actually supposed to be out already. They're pushing it to next year. To answer your other question, uh, latest word on from On3 as well as Matt Brown, who seemed to be kind of the two entities, uh, extra points with Matt Brown, uh, talking about this, is that EA Sports says it's going to be done next summer. I, for one, cannot wait to get my hands on a copy of it. It sounds like it's going to be a phenomenal product. They're putting a lot of time, effort, and money into making it the right way. I cannot wait to have it. And yes, I will have it. And by the way, if any of you are planning on getting in, uh, getting on it and are a PlayStation user, I'd love nothing more than to do like an online dynasty with some of you out there in Cougar Nation. We can have some fun with that, so let me know. But thanks for the question, Chris. Uh, next one, and Jordan and Luke both asked a variation of the same question. They said this, have you heard anything about Harrison Taggart and how he's looking in training camp? Obviously, Harrison Taggart, transfer from Oregon. BYU, very excited to get him into the program. Uh, I have seen him out of practice. Yes, he did post on social media. He's going to wear the number 11 this year for the BYU football program. The biggest thing for Harrison is he's coming in, he's trying to get up to speed when it comes to BYU's defense. There are a bevy of other guys who were in spring camp, etc., who got a head start on him in learning this defense. Now, does that mean that they're light years ahead of him? No, that doesn't mean that, but he's got to get caught up. That's the biggest thing for him is making sure that he understands the scheme and making sure that he's able to go out there when he's asked to perform and do his job and do his assignment. That That's going to be the biggest key for him. Uh, I haven't heard anything good or bad about him per se, but the biggest thing, is, just uh, as I understand it, is he's got to get uh, just kind of in and learn the defense in and out and that's that'll be a big key for him uh, to really kind of work his way onto the field do I expect him to come out and be a day one starter this year for BYU? No because you got A.J. Vong Pachon, you got Max Tooley, you got Ben Bywater, Isaiah Glasker is really starting to shine a little bit here. There's a number of linebackers in front of Harrison Taggart and we'll give him the opportunity to really kind of get up to speed and when he's ready to play, that's the nice part is he's not being forced into action. That's, that, that's the positive in his world. Tyler Berg 
we're going to ask this. Has there been any news on kicking throughout camp? I just feel like we may be in close games this year, and the lack of a true kicker makes me believe those games may not be in our favor. Well, there's going to be a fun interview coming for you guys next week with Kelly Papinga where he talks about that very thing. I'll just give you a little bit of a tidbit in that. I asked him about kicking. This comes from Wednesday. He told me that they have had the kickers as of Wednesday. So let's be very clear about this. This is Wednesday afternoon. So there's been uh, two days of practice since then. There will be a scrimmage tomorrow uh, plus extra practices next week. But as of this past Wednesday, he said that Will Farron had missed two kicks amongst, I think it was 16 or 18 that he had kicked and attempted in training camp, whereas Matthias Dundon missed four of his attempts in training camp. I think it was 16 or 18 attempts for both of them. So uh, in terms of the percentages, that's much better than what we saw in spring camp. Now, there are people out there who will tell you that BYU's practices are scripted and uh, the, the the coaching staff shows the media what they, what they want to see. They wanted to see, if they wanted us to see how bad the kicking game was in spring, that's a bold decision because it was atrocious. It was bad. It was downright ugly. It's good to hear that they're improving, and the hope is that one of them, whether it's Dunn or Farron, establishes themselves as establishes himself as the guy BYU very much needs to settle on one of them uh, sooner rather than later, preferably at the very latest, the week of Sam Houston State. That's got to be locked down. So hopefully that answers your question, Tyler. But I'm st- like, and let me also add this: I'm still wary of it. I, I just am because neither of these guys have kicked a field goal in a college football game. Uh, Farron has kicked off in multiple college football games for Boise State, but never attempted a field goal. That's the one thing BYU does not have: a guy who's gone out there and kicked. Through the uprights in the middle of a game. That's it's a it's a question mark there. Next one, Garrett has asked: Is there many? Uh, has there uh, an update? Or, excuse me, no. I, I was reading Tyler's question again. Garrett asked this: Jake, what do you think the two deep will be at defensive line going into Sam Houston State? That is a great question, Garrett, because I think the biggest thing for BYU when it comes to their two deep on the defensive line is they're still waiting on some of the guys they were hoping to have in camp. Most notably, David Latu. I have seen Latu out at practice. I have not seen him participate in drills quite yet. There's been some confusion of that on uh, various podcasts and radio programs this week. Uh, If he is cleared and is able to get back on the field uh, here in the relatively near future, there's no reason to think that he can't end up as a starter for BYU. But while he is out, it has afforded the opportunity for a guy like Nisa Mahe to really establish himself along that uh, starting defensive line. The four starters I have seen consistently along the defensive line in the media portions and in talking with people are uh, at defensive end Tyler Batty and also Isaiah Banya, the transfer from Boise State. And then on the interior, it's been Atunai Samahe and Jackson Cravens. I think that's actually a really solid defensive line. Two holdovers from last year's defensive line, obviously with Nai Samahe and Tyler Bad, who I think this defense is going to fit their skill sets much better uh, than the previous defense did. But then also the two high-profile transfers you brought in from Boise State, obviously you expect them to start, and they are showing that so far, and that's the positive uh, if you're a BYU fan on that front. Now, with regards to the to the backups, I would expect the Bodie Schoonovers probably in the mix there at either defensive end spot. I would probably put uh, Bodie uh, right now behind uh, 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 Isaiah Banya on one side. I'd put Ice Moa on the other side, backing up Tyler Batty as the uh, number two defensive ends. Then at defensive tackle, that's the interesting part about this because I think that you've got Caden Haas, who was a really 
really fine player. And uh, if Naisamahi was not in the way, he's probably with the ones right now, and he'll probably continue to push for time there. The other defensive tackle right now to me is probably John Nelson. Uh, obviously, Nelson played defensive end last year. He's bulked up. They list him at 6'4", 275 pounds, so might be a little bit light in terms of his overall uh, prowess along that defensive line. But you can have a 300-pound defensive lineman and a 280-pound defensive lineman work together. John Nelson's probably not going to play a nose tackle zero or one technique for those of you who are really uh, into it like I am. But at the same time, he is capable of playing a three or four technique that maybe somebody like Jackson Cravens isn't capable of playing. There's versatility along that defensive line, and uh, I'm intrigued at, at minimum. Uh, I got to say, just another aside to that, Tyler Batty and Naisamahe look like they have absolutely transformed their bodies this offseason. They just look trim. They look cut. They look they, they looked the part. That's the thing about this. I'm not saying they didn't look the part before, but I'm talking like muscle definition. It looks like the gun show when Tyler Batty's out there playing football. It, it, it's really impressive, the work that those two did in particular, just on my observations. All right, uh, other questions coming in here. Let's move along here. Uh, next one, Scott said, Hey, Jake, have you been able to take a breath from all the camps, conference, and personnel changes, conference alignment, realignment, and personnel changes? Uh, kind of, Scott, but you have a good question here all the same. I was wondering, how concerned do, they, do we need to be about the men's basketball staffing issues and their unused scholarships? Uh, the staffing issues to me, actually are a minimal concern, I think, because BYU is notorious for slow-playing hires into the basketball program. We're talking, uh, Mark Pope can submit a name or names of guys he wants to hire, and it feels like it takes weeks uh, for that to go through all the various channels and uh, different committees. It feels like a BYU that have to sign off on. And there, by the way, there are still people, there are layers to the bureaucracy of BYU that baffle me even to this day. But uh, I would expect that the, the, the staff changes... It's just a matter of time. They just hired Michael Davey as their uh, new strength and conditioning co- coordinator, our uh, strength and conditioning coach. I-, I think that that probably has already been in the works for weeks, and I would assume that the other staff changes, those will be coming in due order. The unused scholarships, having two current unused scholarships as you start the year, and you're obviously headed the next week uh, to Croatia and Italy with less than a full roster, that's a v- pretty big concern to me. Losing a guy like Quez Glover over NIL uh, concerns reportedly is obviously not ideal. It's actually going to, I think, affect more the future for BYU recruiting versus the the now here and present uh, situation for BYU. But having two open scholarships, that's less than ideal, especially with school just two or three weeks off from starting and obviously getting guys enrolled in school and all that stuff. That's that's the major concern there. So I'm not as concerned about the staffing issues. Uh, the staff uh, filling the staff out, I am concerned about filling out the scholarships. That That's what I'm major concerned about. Final question here, and I don't have an answer for this. I'm going to work on this over the weekend. It comes in from Curtis. He asked this, are there any Big Ten schools who are in the same position BYU is now with scheduling? We talked about this earlier this week, that BYU is going to have to find some uh, slots, to uh, find some teams to fill slots in their non-conference slate, having uh, Utah and Arizona joining the Big 12, obviously opening up opportunities in their non-conference games. He says, maybe a previous Big Ten or Pac-12 matchup becomes a Big Ten conference game, and that Big Ten school is now looking to fill a non-conference game. I'm wondering if, I'm wondering if there's a breakdown of this somewhere. I have not seen a breakdown of it, Curtis, but I am going to do some due diligence and look into that. I will see what I can find out and maybe give you an idea next week of teams that BYU may be uh, capable of contacting. That does not mean that BYU will contact them, but they may have some openings like like you mentioned, and that might be something that BYU can approach down the road. All right, so 
There you go. Thank you for all of your questions. Truthfully, a lot of good stuff. And like I said, it was good mailbag this week. So thank you to all of you who submitted your questions. Feel free to weigh in any time with your questions, concerns, comments, whatever you got for me. I'd love nothing more than to have you guys be a part of the podcast, on, on, frankly, on a daily basis, if at all possible. Maybe that's something we start to do is maybe we have like a mailbag question of the day. Uh, we'll see what we can do, but uh, maybe an idea for down the road on the show. All right, coming up here in a moment, though, we'll round out today's show with the final news and notes, uh, saying farewell and happy trails to a BYU fan favorite. We'll get to all of that as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. A word out real quick on our friends over at UCCU. The UCCU mobile banking app is what, launching what they're calling Learn and Earn. It's, an, uh, it's a way to pay your entire family to learn about money. Kids look to parents to become financially literate. Parents don't always know the answers. I'm, I'm a dad and I don't, I don't know all the answers myself. Learn and Earn is helping break down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that accrue and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more, my friends. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family who can compete against one another and track their progress on the leaderboards. The best part is it's all inside the UCCU mobile banking apps. You can play it anytime, anywhere, whenever you got some downtime. You can log on and have some fun. The more you play, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. Think about that, my friends. Learn and earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping teens, kids, and parents all have fun but while becoming more financially literate together. That's the goal is doing it together, my friends. That's all courtesy of UCCU. Love where you bank. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. Hope you have a, a, a great day going here on a Friday. It's obviously the weekend is here, and I hope you guys are all doing great. Uh, thank you for tuning in and supporting the show no matter what. All right, final notes before we go on today's show is, uh, first things first, uh, happy trails to Mason Wake. Uh, Mason is a fan favorite. Air Wake, a guy who has had a, an incredible ability as a fullback just to hurdle people. Uh he has hung it up. He announced that he is uh, just, uh, he's after many thoughts and prayers, he's decided that he is uh, moving on from football. Thanked a lot of people in a statement. He says, what a ride it's been. With that being said, after many thoughts and prayers, I've decided to step away from football. I am excited for what the future holds for me and for BYU football. Thank you, BYU. Go Cougs. Sign Mason Wick. Now, Mason was a guy that, I'm not going to lie, I wanted to have as our NIL uh, player guest of the week here on the podcast. Uh Maybe not going to get that opportunity. I'm sad about that because Mason is a, a is a phenomenal human being, a really fun personality, an engaging dude. I've always enjoyed my interactions with him. Uh, he's had some famous moments on this podcast. I've actually got to go back and pull one in particular. I'm gonna have to go back and find it. It's from like the 2018 season, if I recall correctly. Maybe his first year at BYU. He gave one of the all time quotes I have ever gotten on this podcast. It was an exclusive to this show that is kind of uh, it, it blew up afterwards. But this is a kid. Speaking of Mason, that I think is go on to do great things. Obviously, injuries caught up with him, it sounds like. People told me that uh, it just he got fed up with some of the lingering injury concerns and some other stuff that popped up here in training camp and ultimately decided it was in his best interest to step away. And I cannot argue with anybody who goes out on their own terms. This is a sport, speaking of football, that chews people up and spits them out. I, I don't mean that in a pejorative way. It's exactly what this sport is. And I, I wish Mason nothing but the best. And hey, Mason, if you happen to end up watching this, 
Let's talk. Maybe we can get you on the, just to have you on as, a, as an analyst here on the podcast. I'd love to work with you, and obviously best of luck in whatever is next. Uh, I think the report was from KSL. I think Sean Walker said that he's uh, going to graduate in December. And like I said, whatever is next for Mason Wake, he's going to succeed. He's just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal dude. All right, uh, also other notes. Uh, BYU Women's Soccer opened their exhibition season with a one nothing win over Rutgers. I uh, had all kinds of issues with this. They apparently had their field that they were supposed to play on against Rutgers. Uh, washed out and just overrun by water due to heavy rains uh, leading up to the game last night. Ended up winning it one nothing. Allie Fryer scoring the lone goal. Uh, I was actually kind of weird that BYU didn't have a broadcast of this radio or stream or anything. Greg Rubel was on site doing social media updates, but uh, a solid win for BYU. They return home tomorrow, actually. Uh, they will take on Idaho State in their other exhibition game. Uh, if you want to go out and watch that, it's at Southfield. It's a big opportunity, obviously. One of the home field advantages that's unlike any other in women's soccer is for BYU at Southfield. So if you want to get out to that, that'll be a 7 o'clock start uh, for BYU and Idaho State at Southfield. You can get tickets at BYUcougars.com. Uh, this game will be on BYU TV as well as ESPN+. Plus. If you want to Tune into it that way. So there will be a broadcast of that game. But a, a solid exhibition win for BYU out there in Piscataway, New Jersey, over the Rutgers uh, Scarlet Knights. All right, final note on today's show as we finish up the 2021 season, looking back, we've gone back through all 155 games of BYU's independent run. It was an off-season project that we are nearing the end of. We have one more season to go, 2022, last year. And we'll do that over the next week or two as we wrap up this, uh, like I said, it's been a not eight, nine-month endeavor. It's been a long time coming, but we'll talk about that uh, coming up next week. But let's finish up the 2021 season. And BYU was feeling really good about themselves going into bowl season. Obviously, they were 10-2 and two on the season, uh, ranked in the top 15 in the country. But then the bowl announcements come out, and BYU, because they had signed a contract to play in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, despite being 10-2, and two, being a team that had really been really, really good all year long, they get stuck in Shreveport, Louisiana. Louisiana. And I got to tell you, the vibe around the BYU football program was palpable how disappointed they were with this bowl situation. I can't remember many of these teams in BYU's running independence that had a worse vibe about them going into a game than this one. They were taking on UAB. By the way, it was a, actually a pretty good matchup because the UAB Blazers were 9-3. and three. So this is a top 15 BYU team against the UAB Blazers team that's thinking, hey, we can get ranked if we win this game potentially. But, uh, excuse me, they were 8-4. and four. Excuse me, I apologize. Uh, uh, but BYU went into this game at, uh, looking lackluster. They'd also been absolutely hammered. We talked about this on yesterday's podcast against USC. Jaron Hall, there was all the debate, all off, all the bull prep season long. Is, is he going to be able to play? He's got an ankle injury. Is he going to be able to go? And BYU threw him out there at practice, I think, uh, just to make the media kind of throw off the throw off the scent a little bit. He ultimately did not play in this game. Baylor Romney got the start for BYU. Absolutely horrific weather conditions. Rainy, just miserable weather. Was not... Was not the ideal bowl scenario, and BYU just—they played like they were there just to be there. In, in essence, the one dude who played out of his mind though was Tyler Algier. In his final game as a BYU Cougar, Tyler Algier, 27 carries, 192 yards, three touchdowns quite literally uh, carried BYU on his back, it felt like, almost to a victory. Now, UAB ended up winning it. They uh, end, started the game on a 14-0 uh, at the end of the first quarter. It was 21-14 at halftime, but then they ended up getting uh, three more points uh, to win it 31-28 to over BYU. And just a disappointing and kind of damper of a end of a season for BYU in this circumstance. Baylor Romney uh, played decent, but the weather conditions you could visibly see had affected him. Uh, Tyler Algier, like I 
said, he was really the best player I felt like for BYU in this game. Dwayne McBride is very, very good in his own right for UAB. He ended up with 183 yards and one touchdown. So it was a kind of a back-and-forth affair here uh, between these two, but UAB got the win, and like I said, it just was a lackluster end to a game and a season that BYU felt like they deserved more than they got, but alas, uh, they sunk to 10-3, and and obviously that's how the season ended for the Cougars in 2021. All right, so uh, how would they respond? Jaron Hall coming back, losing Tyler Algier as he would announce uh, after the season that he's going to the NFL draft after much deliberation. Well, how are things going to look for BYU in 2022? Well, most of you know the story of the 2022 season because it's the most recent one in the past, but we'll go back through it over the next week or so here on the podcast as we draw closer and closer to the start of the Big 12 era and BYU's new era of football as a member of the Big 12 Conference. But nonetheless, stay with us. Thank you for all your support of the podcast as always. Cannot thank you guys enough for everything you do and everything you have just have meant to this podcast over the years. Thank you for making it your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. And until Monday or sometime between now and then, have a great rest of your day and a great weekend, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.